Welcome to our latest episode of our podcast mini-series on M&A for Registered Investment Advisors. The purpose of our podcast is to reveal what happens inside the deal room, give RIAs advice on how to succeed at M&A, and also provide real-life examples of situations and tactics so RIAs can be more equipped to win and close more deals. Today's episode is on M&A integration. And joining me for this important conversation is one of our very own network partners, Jack Peterson, founder and managing partner of Summit Trail Advisors. I'm Harris Balch, head of M&A and capital strategies for Dynasty Financial Partners. And now let's go inside the deal. This podcast is available on our website, www.dynastyfinancialpartners.com, Apple Podcasts, and other major podcast platforms. If you are not already a subscriber and want to be notified of new show releases, please subscribe to Inside the Deal on your favorite podcast platform or through the episode page on our website. And if you find the content useful and feel others could benefit from it, feel free to share it widely. Welcome everyone to part four of our four-part mini-series, Inside the Deal. For anyone out there listening who is a banker, broker, or in some cases a consultant, closing an M&A deal is synonymous with getting paid and moving on to the next deal. But for others out there who are business owners and operators, closing and then integrating an M&A deal into your organization is really when the real work begins. The fourth part of our podcast miniseries is intended to focus on M&A integration and why it is so important to get it right. Jack, thanks for joining me and our listeners today. For those out there who are not familiar with Summit Trail, could you please share with everyone your background and Summit Trail's history of growth, including M&A track record? Sure, Harris, uh, great to be with you. Thanks for the invite. This should be a, a great conversation. So Summit Trail Advisors is a ultra high net worth focused RIA. Uh, we launched in July of 15 uh, with Dynasty. And what we've really grown into and what we think of ourselves as is a leading networked multifamily office. And we focus on ultra high net worth clients. So we're targeting families 25 million and above. Uh, Over the last five and a half years, we've grown from uh, just over 2 billion uh, to north of 11 billion of AUM. And assets under advisement are north of 16 billion. Uh, We now have nine teams in our firm, 70 employees. And we have offices open in Seattle, San Francisco, Chicago, New York, Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, and Boston. Uh, We feel very well established in the northern half of the United States, and I continue to spend considerable time evaluating opportunities in the southern half, southern California, Texas, the southeast, Florida, et cetera. So uh, we've been at this five and a half years. It's been great to be part of the Dynasty Network. The work you did with us back in 14 and 15 in planning the firm and helping us launch uh, was incredibly valuable. And uh, now we spend a lot of time together working on M&A. So uh, a brief mention on my background, um, I spent my first 10 years uh, at Morgan Stanley as a financial advisor, really had great training, great experience there. Uh, My team and I left and went to Lehman Brothers. I spent five years there. Most of my time there was in senior management and learned this business from the other side of the table. And then after the Lehman bankruptcy, we uh, did a deal with Barclays, and I spent uh, some time in management, integrated the business, and then I went back to production in 2011 and started to rebuild uh, my client business. 
And then working with some colleagues uh, from Lehman and Barclays, we decided to, uh, to launch Summit Trail. So Jack, let's talk about your latest transaction. How is it going, given that it's only been a few weeks? Can you share with the audience an overview of the deal? Uh, sure, Harris. You know, every, every team that we, uh, that we bring into Summit Trail, uh, every advisor that joins the firm is unique. Every deal has been unique in, in one form or another. This team in particular has really been an interesting uh, opportunity. It's a larger team, 12 people, and their focus is on sophisticated planning. So it's our first deal where there aren't clients with assets that we're trying to bring into Summit Trail. These are large, $100 million plus families uh, that have benefited from this team's uh, planning advice. And again, this is uh, tax, estate, financial planning. You know, one of the reasons why we specialize in ultra high net worth clients and focus on that client segment, as you know, the larger the client, generally speaking, the, the more complicated things get, the more sophisticated they become. And um, it's been interesting to get to know this team and uh, the process that they go through in working with their clients. $100 million clients, multi-generational, many, many entities, the technical work that this team is able to do, the advice they give, and the sophisticated plans they develop in partnership with law firms and tax advisory firms is really quite impressive. And what's exciting for us at Summit Trail is we're going to be able to take that technical capability and leverage that across all other eight teams. So we now have nine teams, but this last team is really a planning-only team. And the opportunity for that team is to go out introduce Summit Trail on the investment planning side now, and uh, hopefully uh, bring a number of, of those clients into the firm uh, for investment advisory in addition to the, the financial planning. That's really interesting. This seems like a completely different capability altogether than what kind of the, the legacy M&A strategy has been for Summit Trail. Is it, that true? It really is. Yeah, it's the first deal we've done where there are no asset transfers, you know, starting on day one. It's the first team that we've brought into the firm with plans from, from day one to really leverage that team as a centralized resource. So this team will actually work with our other eight teams to advise existing Summit Trail clients. So it, it's a very different deal for us. But as we've grown as a firm, not only in assets and clients and in capabilities, we have been somewhat behind in the family office services and the financial planning aspects of that family office service suite of services. So this team really moves us from probably behind to really at the head or at the front of what I think the industry is from a planning capability. So we're, we're really excited to have the team. Uh, we're just getting started. The client response uh, has been terrific. And it, it's going to take, with COVID, it's going to be a little bit slower, but we're going to have spring and summer to really get the team integrated, uh, get to know the team members. Uh, they're going to do a lot of internal teaching and getting us up to speed. And uh, we're really excited about 2022 and beyond. That's great. I mean, look, one of the things that uh, in getting to know you and, and the Summit Trail team that, that you pride yourself on is having a very disciplined M&A strategy. And given that this business is so different, you know, it's really just people, relationships, capabilities, no assets. Um, did you feel like you had to compromise on your approach to transaction structure relative to 
precedent deals that you've worked on? No, and that's really, that's something we set out to do early on, and we've been able to really stick with our plan. We developed an economic model. We worked closely with Dynasty, and we came up with a financial model or a framework that we have leveraged, you know, from our first three teams, including my team back in, in 2015. Uh, so we've done nine deals now, and, and each of those deals have leveraged the same terms, the same economic framework. And uh, while every deal is a little bit different, uh, we thought it would be important and beneficial to us long-term to be disciplined and really stick to a plan. And we were fortunate. We had good advice uh, from everybody at Dynasty. Uh, we had a good lawyer at Stark & Stark, Dan Sheridan, who's now at uh, Potomac uh, Law Group. Uh, John Morris at Dynasty was very involved. And we came up with a plan or a framework that we've been able to execute on now nine times and not really have to deviate. So we're fortunate that we did a lot of good work early. And I think consistency, this is one of my messages today. We're going to talk about integration here in a minute. But on the pre-closing, going out and finding opportunities, um, the, the more you can standardize, and everybody is different, but at the same time, there's a need, there's a benefit to leveraging a framework as consistently as possible. That rinse-repeat methodology will really pay off because it keeps everything fair and equitable. Everybody knows how it works. And uh, so we spent a lot of time uh, up front. We got it right, we think, and we've been able to execute nine times with that same framework. So now that you kind of have this repetitive playbook in place, before you close on a deal, do you have a checklist or a few best practices that you can share with listeners, whether it's, I don't know, having a transition team in place, having real estate lined up for the new team, financing either internally, externally? Uh, there may be some other things that I'm, I'm missing, but given that you have a repeatable process that has clearly worked, how do you think about it? I really start with the first meeting, the advisor. And I mean, you've been an M&A for a long time. You know you've got to go through a lot of meetings. You've got to meet a lot of people to actually find a good fit and actually execute on a deal. While we've done, I think in some ways, you know, a, a pretty good number of, of, of deals, we have nine teams over five and a half years, um, every one of these decisions is really important for us. Every team joining Summit Trail, we're inviting people into our family. And, and so culture is critical. So the fit of the incoming advisors and relationship managers, the CSAs, that professional staff, you've got to ensure there's a good fit there. And so we spend a fair amount of time up front in exchanging, uh, creating those opportunities to, to get together in person or over video, exchanging ideas and attitudes about the business. So culture fit is, is critical. That's number one. But I think for us, we think of Summit Trail as a hybrid. We're sort of a blend between the broker-dealer model, which is formulaic compensation, and we blend that with a partnership, a private partnership. So we are an advisor-owned firm. Every advisor at Summit Trail is an equity owner and a partner. So I like to think of our advisors waking up in the morning and having the motivation and the incentive to go out and do great business development work, do great client service work, add value throughout the day, taking from their time back at the broker-dealer or the bank maybe, 
But we're also, at the end of the day, we're, we're all partners. We're supporting each other. We share in the profits at your end. So we really are, I think, a hybrid. And so that hybrid will attract a certain type of advisor, uh, but it, it, it will probably discourage uh, other advisors. So for us, the economic alignment of interests is a really key part. So that checklist up front, it's culture, you know, making sure the people are a good fit, making sure the clients are a good fit. We focus on 25 and above. We have a lot of clients at 10 and below, but we're really targeting 25 and above. Average clients about 30 million. So the people need to fit your organization. The clients need to fit your organization. And then the economics have to work. We don't do one-off deals. We don't make adjustments for one team or another. We do the same thing over and over again. So I think if you've got culture, clients, economics are all aligned. The last question for me, and it's, it's a first meeting question, which is, why are you leaving? I'm looking for that advisor to give me very good reasons why they are leaving their current firm. Because I can go through a lot of first meetings and my time's valuable, your time's valuable. You want to you wanna get in front of qualified people. And I think a big part of that qualifying process in M&A in the RIA world is getting in front of good people with good businesses who are ready and willing and able to leave. And I just meet a, I meet a lot of advisors, teams that like the chase, they're kicking tires, but they aren't really serious about leaving. And, and so when I hear good reasons why they wanna leave, clients aren't happy, performance is bad, bureaucracy, overreach on compliance, I'm not growing, my main support team at the firm is left, I want to hear good reasons. If I meet somebody I like and I am hearing good reasons as to why they are leaving or looking to leave, I get pretty excited because I think now I've got a, a legitimate qualified opportunity. And on early stages, it looks like a good fit. And then we kind of go in with both feet and, and do a deep dive. So let's talk about integration. You've done nine M&A deals and clearly each one has, has been a little different despite a, a repeatable closing process. Let's talk about it a little bit and your approach to integrating each team, each person uh, inside of that team into the broader Summit Trail organization. If you think about the importance of onboarding a single employee, right? You have a need. You, you put a job description together. You hire a recruiter. You look through resumes. You find the right person. You, they accept the offer and they join. Think about how much time and attention you place on making sure that new employee, that single employee, is being properly onboarded. You wanna make a good first impression. You wanna get them trained up quickly. You wanna get them to meet everybody. You wanna you want make sure they, they have a good first day, a good first week, a good first year. Then think about trying to maintain that same level of quality and enthusiasm, but onboard at the same time three people or five people or 12 people. It's tough to maintain that same level. And so we approach it from a couple different perspectives. One. There's the client perspective. You have to put your client first. So here comes a team of five, eight, 10, 12 people. They've got 25 or 50 or 75 clients. Everything you do has got to be from the perspective of those clients. So everything we do, number one, starts with those new clients. And then the second thing we're doing is we have to look at the perspective of that advisor, of that team that's coming in. And we treat them like clients as well. So. It, it's sort of a, a dual approach. You've got to think about the end client. You've got to think about the advisor and that team. 
You treat everybody like your clients. So there's a ton of prep work that goes in. We have a large team. Dynasty does a great job with transitions. And a big part of, of the transition planning, all of that work you do in advance, the book review we do with the incoming advisor, not client names or locations or addresses, but client type. We want to get all of that lined up. So type of client, size, loans, uh, illiquid investments, uh, whatever else makes that client particularly challenging. We don't want surprises the day after launch. We want those surprises before they launch. So the transition planning is critical. If you do a great job in planning, and I think Dynasty does an incredible job with the team in getting the firm ready to receive that new incoming team and their clients, if you do a good job on transition planning, now you're almost running downhill a little bit. You've got some momentum. There's always surprises, but there are fewer surprises with good transition planning. And now you're going to look at it from the client perspective. You're going to look at it from the advisor, the new employee perspective. And we try to wrap these teams in a lot of people, uh, in some technology, you know. And, and so uh, we start with, you know, Salesforce and Adapar. We have a cloud-based technology environment, so we get them set up and logged in. We have the employee handbook, which has a lot of important information. Uh, but then we have grouping. So all the advisors, they're all partners. They're all supporting each other. So we get the advisors plugged in. The CSAs and relationship managers have their own support network. We have a dedicated team responsible for the partners, the, the, the incoming advisors, for the CSAs, relationship managers, et cetera. So everybody's assigned. And uh, I, I think through, uh, we use Asana. We used to use Basecamp, but project management, we have an online uh, web-based application, Asana. It's a, <laughs> it's a multi-page checklist of things that we get done in the transition planning, and then on the back end with, with integration. So I think um, it is complicated because you've got that kind of dual perspective, but it's not hard. It just takes time. And, and you, you, you start with transaction or with, with the transition planning. And then the first day is crazy. Uh, there's a lot of stress, a lot of tension. But all the advisors and the RMs and the CSAs care about is they make that outbound phone call and they want to have something good come back from the clients. And generally, that's how it works. You, you have a great response from clients. They're excited for you. They're excited about what it means for them. And, and you get those first couple days behind you. You may have some legal challenges or, or interactions. Uh, you get all that behind you. And then you just get down to work. And it's literally one client at a time. So a big part of our integration is we build that integration one client at a time. By integrating or onboarding that first client, the new team's getting integrated. You do a second client, a third client, a fourth client, you get through three, four, five client onboardings. Teams starting to kind of figure out how things work at Summit Trail and, and just making sure they've got a support group to go for questions and, and, uh, and to commiserate. That first week's kind of a crazy week. Well, it sounds like you've built quite an institutionalized process to accommodate uh, new teams that are considering or have decided to join Summit Trail. But I got to imagine, Jack, that it wasn't always like that. There are probably quite a few lessons learned. And for our listeners out there that might benefit, is there anything uh, or any examples that you may have 
that you can share with the team? Harris, I would love to say every deal that we did was perfect. <laughs> and it wasn't. You're absolutely right. I think every time we do a deal, we onboard a, a new team. It's really exciting, but it, it doesn't go perfectly. And we always take time after the deal is over. And, and this tends to be at the 90-day or a little bit further out. We take a pause and we do a debrief. And we try to learn about what we did well and what we did not do so well. And there's always something. And, and I think as I look back with nine deals successfully done, I would say there are probably, in my mind, um, there's probably five snags that I think most people underestimate the importance of and, and sort of the nuanced details. And they're uh, the, the former firm, your employment agreement, whatever documents you have with the old firm. Second is data, anything you're trying to take from the old firm. Uh, third would be loans. Um, loans just don't transfer that easily. And so really understanding what you have there before you leave is, is critical. Pre-resignation uh, behavior. Firms have gotten really good at tracking their employees. When they're in the office, badging in, badging out, when they're printing, what they're printing. If you're a guy like me and you haven't printed anything, you know, for the last two months and you come in at nine o'clock and you print for four hours, if you think that's not going to show up on someone's desk as a, as a flagged behavior, you're crazy. It's going to show up. They know everything that you're doing. Um, so what you do, I think the 12 months prior to leaving is, is really important. You owe it to your former employee, uh, employer um, to act like a valued employee. You've got to put your current firm ahead of your personal uh, activities. So um, you've got to hold yourself up to, I think, a very high bar there. Uh, and, and technology, whether you've got a laptop, an iPad, uh, a phone, uh, you're logging in from different devices, you just have to assume they know everything. And going back and erasing and going back and relabeling, you're kidding yourself. You're absolutely wasting your time. So 12 months before you leave, you've got to be thinking, the firm is watching everything I do. And as a matter of professional integrity, I've got to put my current firm ahead of my new opportunity up until the minute you resign. The old firm comes first. The employment agreements, you know, firms are very good at having to sign things over and over and over again. A special equity award, a compensation bonus, they're always kind of tucking in constrained language, limits, non-solicits, non-competes, whatever it might be. So uh, you should never sign anything without a lawyer reviewing it. You're not going to change a big firm's employment agreements, but at least you know what they are. Um, you know, we've had it a couple times where, where people just forgot what they signed. They resign, and then we find out because the old firm with a lawyer will send us their documents, and now we understand how restricted they actually are. So when you ask about missteps, uh, I don't think we've ever underprepared. Um, I, I think in partnership with Dynasty, with our outside law firm, uh, with our custodian partners uh, and our internal team, I think we're always well prepared. Um, but it doesn't mean that you catch everything. And I think those areas, employment agreements, uh, data, 
um, client loans, uh, pre-resignation behavior, and technology. Um, those are the areas where you think you're going to get away with it or you're not really paying attention, and it will catch you up. And it all comes out the day after you resign or maybe the two or three days after you resign, the old firm is going to let you know where you got tripped up. And, and you can put yourself, your team, potentially your clients, and the new firm in, in a very difficult position. So good uh, pre-transition planning leads to, I think, a much easier job on the integration side. That's really helpful advice for all of our, our listeners out there. Thank you for that, that feedback and for those real, real life experiences. What do you think makes Summit Trail a destination of choice for so many advisors? You mentioned the term before that Summit Trail considers itself a networked multifamily office. It's a phrase that I've never really heard before. Could you go into a little bit more detail on what that term means to you, what it means to Summit Trail, and how you use it to you know, perhaps attract new advisors to the firm? Sure, Harris. Uh, it is a mouthful. I'm not sure it's the most brandable term or, or definition, but as we grew up in this RIA channel over the last couple of years, you know, we did some soul searching. We really thought about what are we doing? Where are we adding value? How are we functioning? How are we adding value? And I think everybody on this uh, podcast knows it goes well beyond providing good investment advice. That's kind of table stakes. We think what we do in the investment space, in particular for ultra high net worth clients, is special. We're capturing alpha. I think we're an industry leader in the alternative space, private equity, private credit, real estate, hedge funds. But that's only part of the overall equation. When you think about solving for your clients' needs, there's the investment advice and planning, but the rest of the equation, you know, credit, family office services. And, and when I say family office services, I think of uh, philanthropy, uh, family governance, concierge services, uh, bill pay, mail service. Uh, I mean, 2020 with COVID is a great example. Uh, most of our clients have multiple homes. And they were moving from location to location and trying to track mail and get bills paid. It's challenging when you have, uh, you know, multiple homes. So I think the multifamily office is pretty straightforward. You service multiple families. You're giving them investment advice. You're providing some uh, additional family office services to each of those families. The word networked for us is really important. When we think about Summit Trail and where do we add value, uh, we call it the Summit Trail network effect. We work with about 400 families. We have 70 employees. We have, in our Salesforce uh, CRM, we have hundreds of money managers, hundreds upon hundreds of investment bankers, attorneys, accountants, tax specialists, uh, sports agents, business managers, and then we, we have those clients. When you, when you put that whole network together, it's a couple thousand data points or, or people. And what we do with our clients, and because of our size and the fact that we're equity owned by the advisors, when we have a client in Seattle that has a unique opportunity or problem, we activate the Summit Trail Network. 
it's not just Michelle Rudd who's trying to help her client in Seattle. Uh, Michelle is plugging into Summit Trail. She's activating the network because there's a client that Lauren Kosselich works with up in Boston who had that same problem 18 months ago. And now Michelle can work with Lauren, leverage that past experience, and Michelle's client gets her problem addressed, uh, I think, much more effectively. So because we are privately held and owned by predominantly by our advisors, our interests are aligned. And so as an advisor, I'm incentivized to help every other advisor with their clients. So that network could work at any firm. The problem is when you're too large and your economic interests are not aligned, that network doesn't really get activated. And if you're too small as an RIA, you don't have a large enough network to have the power. So we are a networked multifamily office, and we're attracting advisors, to get back to your question. We're attracting advisors, I think, for a couple of key reasons, or these criteria. One, they're working with larger clients, $10 million, $25 million, $100 million clients. We work with, I think, 12 or 13 billionaires. So they're working with and servicing very large families. Two, they like the idea of building net worth, and owning part of their firm. And so our deal, which we haven't really talked about, uh, we put 50% cash up front, 50% of trailing 12 more or less in our deal up front. That's a capital gains treated down payment. And then um, we equitize after a year based on the revenues they're generating at Summit Trail, and they get a equity valuation using some market multiples. And then we, we debit the cash that we paid them. And, and that's the equity they end up with at Summit Trail. So it's a cash and equity model. But I think advisors who are really looking to sell their business, to retire, to take a lot of cash up front, who may not value the long-term equity play, our model is not going to be very attractive to them. They're going to self-select somewhere else. So going back to your question, you know, what is it about Summit Trail and, and what does that advisor look like? Why are they ending up at Summit Trail? Client-focused, ultra-high net worth. This is their last stop. They're not going to do another deal five or seven or 10 years from now. They're done moving. They want to own long-term equity. They are competitive and, and they want to provide their client a differentiated experience which is a combination of leading investment advice and results combined with high quality family office services and planning. That network effect that you speak to seems like it's a fairly differentiated approach and perhaps a selling point when you're, when you're speaking with advisors out there. When you think about that in the context of integration, is it important for people to get integrated as quickly as possible so that they can take advantage of that network effect? Yes, Harris, I, it is. Um, it's like anything else. Anything good uh, takes time. And, and so I think we all feel like we're trying to, you know, run a race and we think it's a sprint, but it's actually a marathon and you can get pretty tired pretty quickly. So I think our approach of really one client at a time, that first client that onboards, the first client to send documentation back and they're the first one in the door and everybody's excited, we're integrating and onboarding the team while we're onboarding 
that new client. And again, it's trial by fire. The, the more doc packages you get sent back and, and we can onboard uh, a fair number of clients at any one point in time. So we've got the scale, we've got the size, but yes, the, the sooner the advisor kind of plugs into Summit Trail, forgets about the old firm, gets to know everybody at Summit Trail, learn how the firm works. Uh, the partnership is a very supportive, it's a very welcoming body. We have 22 equity-owning advisors and about to be 23. Um, we really genuinely care about each other. We want to make each other better. We're competitive. Organic growth is a key component of our culture. We are growing relative to our industry peers you know, at a very rapid pace. And uh, we like to think of ourselves as attracting other equally talented organic growers, but we care about each other. We help each other out. And yes, there is a financial incentive, but the, the front end process of finally deciding it's a two-way decision, right? The advisor's looking around, where do they want to go? Where do they want to, where do they want their last stop to be? Maybe it's some a trail, maybe it's somewhere else. But we're kind of thinking the same thing. Is this new advisor, is this team the perfect fit for Summit Trail or not? We've always felt like we are going to prioritize organic growth over inorganic growth. And so when that's our priority, if something's not as close to perfect as we think it should be, we just pass. Every incoming partner has to spend time with all the other partners. And there's no vote per se, but if there's not a good fit, it's going to come out in those interactions. So um, I, I think this integration is critical. The fact that we are owned as a private firm, as a partnership structure, we all have financial incentive, but it, it really gets back to the culture of our firm. I think we have really good people. We enjoy success and we want everybody at Summit Trail to be successful. I think when I meet with most advisors, one of my key messages is, you know, join Summit Trail. We're going to do a better job, help you do a better job with your clients. But we're also, we're going to help you grow faster. So how has the pandemic impacted your approach to closing and integrating new firms and people? And do you feel like the volume of opportunities coming your way has picked up? Has it slowed down? And, and do you think that the integration process um, has maybe changed forever as it relates to onboarding new advisors, given what you had to do and adjust for during the pandemic? Yeah, so I think, you know, the, this COVID pandemic was horrible, obviously, on, on the human capital side of things, tragic deaths, horrible numbers. When we set aside that and, and look at, at, at the business and how are we affected, how is our industry affected, I think most firms look at 2020 and it looks like it was a pretty good year. Certainly a very good year for, for Summit Trail. I think the benefits of this pandemic, uh, we've all gotten comfortable. Clients, advisors, professional staff, money managers, et cetera, we've all gotten comfortable with this idea of, Harris, you and I have an important business meeting, but it doesn't mean that we have to sit face to face. You invite me to a meeting and you would come to my office or I would go to your office because it was important. And what COVID has taught all of us is we can have an important exchange, but it doesn't have to be in person. 
And I think the productivity savings, that social contract has changed and it has revalued face-to-face versus virtual through a, uh, a video conference system. That revaluation, I think, has changed business globally forever. There's a productivity savings that is significant that I think will last. The challenge is establishing new relationships that are based on trust. I've gotten to know people now over Blue Jeans and Zoom and WebEx, and I feel like I know them pretty well, but we haven't met yet in person. There is the human side of all of us that we want to be together. We want to interact. And there is a human, tangible kind of social face-to-face benefit that comes out of a meeting uh, in person. So I look back at, you know, how is M&A affected at Summit Trail over the last, uh, you know, 12 months or so? I think we were negatively impacted. I certainly missed out on one really good team. And I think COVID in the kind of the, the heat of, of that pandemic last spring, they changed um, their mind and, and, and probably changed their approach. And, and I think I was disadvantaged by that. Very disappointing. I also feel like my flow of opportunities uh, slowed. I think everybody had to focus on their business and focus on their clients and try to decide if they were gonna buy or sell Zoom and buy or sell Tesla. And that took a lot of time and that was a major responsibility, uh, certainly through spring and summer and into the fall. So I feel like M&A is coming back. Um, The recruiters that I work with, they are getting in front of more opportunities. I think most advisors that were thinking about leaving in 2019 probably got a bit freaked out in March of 2020 and just said, you know what, I'm not going anywhere right now. And that was certainly the right thing to do. But I think those same advisors today, for the same reasons they were thinking about leaving in 2019, they're starting to look, if they haven't already left, they're going to leave. And so I feel like our activity level has picked up. This planning team that is joining us, we did not do face-to-face meetings. Almost all of it was done uh, virtually. And uh, it's a big team. Um, we just had a, uh, a happy hour to welcome the team, and, and the incoming team set up a, a game of virtual Jeopardy. And it was great. You know, it was a lot of fun, and it was a way to kind of get to know each of the new team members. So you find ways to adjust. And again, the death and, and, and all the human loss and suffering is something that is just tough to comprehend. If we set that part of it aside and really look at the business side of this, um, I think COVID is going to turn out to be a pretty good test of our business, our industry, and really American business. And I think, as usual, you know, American enterprise uh, finds ways to adapt, and and human beings find ways to adapt. And I think we come out of this better than we did uh, entering back in uh, March of 2020. Jack, I think we have time for one more question. If you have any advice for RIAs out there that are considering selling their businesses or advisors looking to transition to independence, what would you tell them? Uh, It's a great question to end on, Harris. I think it's really important. If you are a buyer, you know, first of all, I tell you, like, don't feel like you have to have five people in an M&A department to get a deal done. Getting a deal done is really nothing more complicated than finding an advisor that has, you know, alignment of interests, 
have clients that, that look and think like yours, have similar service requirements, and um, that you've got the ability to kind of onboard that team and, and those clients. So no different than organically growing your business. Um, I always tell, like, don't, don't try to make M&A into something big and complicated and you've got to staff it. it. It can really be simpler than that, especially, I think, when you have a partner like Dynasty who has the dedicated team and the resources. And they, I think they do a great job of, of hand-holding and walking you through it. However, that being said, the first question that I ask any buyer or any seller is why? So if you are a buyer, you, you think you're going to acquire teams or, or, or onboard or have new advisors join your firm, why? What is it about that idea of, of, of acquiring? What does that new team do for you? What do you need that new team to do? I think firms that are struggling with organic growth and think by adding advisors, they'll kind of make up for it. I have real concerns about that model. I, I think, number one, you've got to have your organic growth story intact. If you're not growing organically, I would not be adding new advisors. I would fix your current problem. Lack of organic growth is a problem. So know why you want a new team. It may be just one specific advisor. You've met somebody great and they're a perfect fit and it's just kind of a simple transaction and that's awesome. But understand as a buyer why you want and, and kind of what you want or what you expect in that hypothetical team to come in. What are they solving for? Is it, you know, everything's working pretty well and they're gonna open a new market or a new client segment? or they're going to add kind of market share capability in a city you're already in. There, there are many good reasons, but I would write them down. If you can't look across the table and tell a potential new partner, new advisor, why you're interested in them, you know, you're kind of reducing your chances of success. So know why you're going to buy. And the same thing for an advisor who's thinking about making a change. Why? Why are you leaving your current firm? Leaving is very hard. It's difficult. It's disruptive. Clients hate all that documentation. So somebody who is someplace and they want to, they're at a big bulge bracket firm and they want to go independent. Why? And you can help them. You know, I work with advisors to help them refine why. Because that five or seven bullet points on their list of why am I leaving my current firm? Why am I joining Summit Trail? That's their story. That is what they're going to discuss with every single client. If they don't have a meaningful, compelling, short list of reasons why they're leaving firm A to go to firm B, they shouldn't be going anywhere. Because clients are going to see right through that. But when you have legitimate reasons, and you can look your client in the eye, in person or via Zoom, and say, hey, Mr. Client, this is why I'm making a change. And it's all about you. Better service, better technology, better performance, better fit. You're going to be with other clients that look more like you. I'm going to be able to spend more time with you. Independent, elimination of conflict of interest. Uh, you know, th there's a long list of reasons why. But when I have that first meeting and an advisor, when I ask him, so why are you leaving? Or why are you thinking about leaving? And I really don't get a, a legitimate answer that kind of goes in the low probability. That goes to the back burner because they're probably not serious. So that, that list can be three, it could be five, maybe seven points. 
But it's the same question for the buyer and for the seller. Why are you doing this? And when those line up and the buyer's reasons for buying and the seller's reasons for selling match up, you've got a pretty good chance of success. Jack, on behalf of myself, Dynasty Financial Partners, and everyone listening, thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule to conclude our M&A podcast miniseries with us. It's clear from listening to you that integrating any M&A deal, no matter how big or small, takes time and has its own unique set of challenges. But like many things in life, a well-thought-out plan of integration is key in order to realize scale and convert potential synergies into actual synergies. And while practice doesn't necessarily make perfect an M&A, it does make you better and more confident on closing and integrating your next M&A deal. To all of our listeners, thank you for joining us. I encourage you to visit us on our website at www.dynastyfinancialpartners.com to learn more about M&A, the power of independence, as well as gain access to valuable content for RIAs. If you are not already a subscriber and want to be notified of new show releases, please subscribe to Inside the Deal on your favorite podcast platform or the episode page on our website. And feel free to email or call me if you have any questions or comments. I can be reached at 516-987-9397 or by email at hbalch at dynastyfp.com. That's H-B-A-L-T-C-H at dynastyfp.com. Please note that all discussions are handled with the highest level of discretion and confidentiality. If you enjoyed this episode, feel free to share it with a colleague that might benefit from its content. Also, if you enjoy listening to our show, please give it a star rating on Apple Podcasts. This will help other advisors know it's a podcast worth their time listening to. I am Harris Balch, and this is Inside the Deal. We'll see you next time. Thank you.